welcome to Destiny Revival Ministries Sermon of the Week. Thank you for joining us. You can stay up to date through our social media or give from the link in the details. We hope this message blesses you. I want to talk about the fact that there's different kinds of prayer that we can engage with. And one of this, you know, we can have the prayer of faith that is a prayer that is filled with belief and faith in what Jesus has done. That's the prayer of faith here, just in a quick nutshell. The prayer of faith. The prayer of faith is not just having belief or, you know, knowing something, but also a very, very more um, uh, directed, uh, very specific kind of faith. The prayer of faith is understanding what the Word says about you. More specifically, the prayer of faith is, remember, Jesus is the person of faith. Faith is a substance. Faith the, the, the faith is the person of Jesus. The, I've spoken on the subject of primary faith here before and you you know many of you ha- I'd probably have to do that all over again but primary faith is is the understanding that in the book of Ecclesiastes the Bible says that God has put eternity in the hearts of men so whether you were an unbeliever or a believer from the beginning of time, all of creation, if you have breath in your lungs, God has put eternity in the hearts of men. That's why many people go to all the wrong places looking for something that cannot satisfy them, but however, they're still in search of something. Are you with me? It's because of the eternity that God has put inside of the hearts of men. Ecclesiastes, the third chapter, I believe it's number 15, actually, he said that he has uh, that that there is eternity in, in our hearts. That God is requiring that which is past. Come on, that which has already been, He is re- requiring an account of that which has already been has already been. The Bible says. I know it's really confusing, but basically God's saying, uh, "I knew you before you were in your mother's womb. I uh, put an assignment and a destiny on your life. This this eternal." calling uh, that I put, this, this spiritual thing that I put on the inside of you, that at some point in your life, wherever you are in your journey, that, you know, let's just say we're all unbelievers in the room here this morning, for instance, that this eternity, that, that at some point, that by the goodness of God, that the proclamation of the gospel would come and visit you, and that when you hear the gospel, that eternity that God has put on the inside of you would respond to that gospel, and then you boom, you become that new creation and you begin to walk out the divine destiny of God that He has placed in your life. That, that's what I'm talking about. That's the, the more accurate faith there is to understand now also that Jesus is that person of faith and that when we put our faith in Him and what He has done, then we can see things working for us. Not because of what we can do, but because of what He has already done. Come on. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible also talks about calling those things which are not as though they are. Now, I want to help you here. Faith, does, faith doesn't necessarily create it appropriates that which is already provided. So when you call those things which are not as if they are, you are calling something that Jesus has already paid the price for. Come on. You're calling something that is not here, but it's there. You're calling those things which are not here currently. Amen. 
and then you're speaking them into existence here. Amen. Come on. It, it was, it's already there. We've got to translate it from there to here. All right. So let me just go ahead and start here. Now, I'm just kind of giving you, you know, Jesus spoke about the subject of prayer in Matthew chapter 6. We'll get there in just a few moments. Uh, I'm going to start out in Timothy, though, this morning. Jesus, when he taught along the subject of prayer, he actually started out with teaching what prayer was not first. He, he spoke about what prayer wasn't before he spoke about what prayer is. Are you with me? But before we get there, I just want to open up here to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2. It says here, first of all, then I urge you that in, uh, uh, I urge that entreaties and prayers and petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil or a, and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. So I urge you that entreaties and prayers and petitions. So I urge you to pray. Right? That's what it's saying here. And this is good and acceptable in the sight of God and, and our Saviour, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God. Somebody say, one God. Somebody say, and there is one mediator. Also between God and men, the man Jesus Christ. So Jesus is the one mediator between God and men. All right? There's one God and one mediator between God and men. And that is the Bible here through the Apostle Paul saying the man Jesus Christ who gave himself as a ransom for all um, the testimony given uh, for all. He's given himself as a ransom for many. Jesus, the one mediator. All right, now I, I want to just quickly read something here for you before I continue. We go over. You can, in the meantime, if you have your Bibles, go with me to. Let's see. Let me see if I want to. You can go there if you want to. This might be for your homework, but Matthew chapter number six. Matthew chapter six. I'm probably going to read from about verse five. Matthew. Chapter 6, verse 5. Might start before that. All right. Okay. So I, I, want to, I want to, before I go there, I just want to go ahead and say this. That prayer, and this is why I'm calling it the prayer of faith. Because we can have, the, we can have a prayer rooted in unbelief. And the prayer rooted in unbelief simply is, is that when I pray, I don't have a full assurance or I'm not really certain. And there's various things that could be in our lives and in our thoughts and the way that we think or what we've been taught that would cause a root of unbelief or, you know, kind of like, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and pray and hopefully, fingers crossed, this is gonna work. All right, so there's prayer there and it's attached to unbelief. Are you with me? Then there is also something, and by the way, prayer that one step further that's worse than unbelief because ignorance actually will automatically produce unbelief in you. Ignorance will produce unbelief because if you cannot have faith in something you do not know you have available to you. So you can have the prayer of ignorance. What is the prayer of ignorance? The prayer of ignorance is not knowing what the Word says about you 
So you engage God from a posture of doubt and unbelief because you have no confidence. In other words, you have no backbone. There's no pillar. Uh, there is no pillar, this, this pillar of prayer. If you have a pillar and put the word prayer on it, you have no prayer pillar in your life because and, and, and being as a confident. In other words, if we put pillars in this house for the engineering, if we had to add, I don't know how many stories on top of this building, another three or four floors of, of office space, and we continue to build on top of the foundation, provided that the foundation's been built in such a way that it can carry another four more floors. We're only on floor one. But as we begin to build on top of that, and, and the foundation and the pillars are set right. When we walk into the building, there is a confidence that the building I'm in has been engineered. The architects have done everything right so that we can feel safe and secure in the building, that the weight of the other four floors above us is not gonna come crumbling down on us. Are you with me? So there is a confidence in the pillars and the structure that supports the weight. Come on, are you with me? There is, a, there is a confidence. And so ignorance in prayer takes away that confident uh, understanding. Just like there is that structure, it takes away your confidence. So when you engage God, you really are kind of like throwing a dart in the wind or something in the wind, hoping that it's gonna hit something. Stick with me here. So there's the prayer of ignorance. And a lot of the time, the prayer of ignorance is rooted in religious understanding. Come on, I'm building here. I'm building on something. Do you understand? Uh, do you understand that? That um, let, let's go with go with me quickly to the book of Psalms, or like some people say, the book of Palms. <laughs> Psalms fifty-one. Psalms. Let me get back there, sorry. Psalms 51. This is David praying here. Thank you, Jesus. I will eventually get there. Okay, Psalms 51. I'm gonna read a few verses here and I'm gonna build on this this morning. Somebody say, this is good. It says, be gracious. This is the heart of David here. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For you know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me against you. And only you have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin. In my, uh, my, and in sin, my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being and in the hidden part, you will make me know wisdom. Purify me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall wither. Uh, I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all of my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away um, from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit Then I will teach transgressors your ways. But I want you to see this. It says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me away. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. This is the heart of David over here. Now, now, is there anything wrong with the heart of David? Zero. 
right? There's zero wrong. I mean, David's coming. He is, he is a man praying and engaging God. Number one, first of all, remember this, David comes before or after the cross. Anybody? Okay, good. Just checking if you're doing your homework this morning. So David is before the cross and he is communicating to God in a way that he knows he can communicate with God. Amen? So, so he is pre-covenantally engaging. So David is actually receiving his salvation by faith uh, in advance before the Messiah comes. I mean, he's looking forward to the eventual coming of Christ in the cross. Amen. So he's engaging God here in a, in a time and place where number one, we all know this, I'm going to have to, and I can't wait. I, I bought a drawing board twice now and both times it's ship damaged. And I was so irritated that it was like four foot high and eight foot wide so that I can actually draw stuff on a board for you guys while I'm talking. Twice it came back broken and I've been very fed up with the company and uh, so I sent it back. So now I'm praying and, and we'll, we'll see how it's going to work out but I want to actually now go over to a digital touch, a full-blown 65, 55, 65, 75 inch full touch screen so we can actually draw on here and, and that's not going to arrive damaged because I'll make sure of it. Anyway, so... I'd like to be able to paint some pictures for you. And you hear me talking about this, but in the old covenant, the, the anointing rested upon what? Three, the prophets, the priests, and the kings. All right, now in this covenant, remember, the cross is the separating line. Since Jesus said it is finished, you and I have all been made prophets, priests, and kings. All right, not on account of your goodness, on account of His perfect goodness. It's not about what I could bring to the table when salvation came to me, it was about everything that He brought. When we were in dire straits needing Jesus to visit us, we knew there was no bank balance big enough for Him to visit me that I could pay my way into eternal life. There was nothing that we could do. I was naked. One other word, naked. I was naked. Naked and ashamed and in need of Jesus. I came to Him naked. Amen? knowing that there's nothing that I brought, only He had everything that I needed and it was only by His grace and mercy that I could receive anything. So, so, so that was my posture when I came to Him, all on account of what He's done for me. And the, the walk of faith as believers is what He has, we are manifesting the doing part or, you know, because we talk about rest here and we are a church full of the rest of God. In other words, Jesus has done everything. We rest in, in it. Rest doesn't mean inactivity or that we do nothing and that we're lazy as believers. No, rest just simply means Jesus has paid the price for everything that I'm gonna need to appropriate through the power of His name in the earth. He's already done it for me. I'm not going to try 
to make it happen. I don't have to. He has already made it. See, religion will try to tell you, you have to make it happen. The finished work says he's already made it happen. Therefore, I rest instead of trying to earn what I need in order to manifest the destiny of God. I don't have to do that. I, I rest in what he's already provided. And that doesn't mean rest is inactivity. No, it's Holy Spirit-led activity. As the Holy Spirit leads me, I follow. And when I follow what he tells me to do, the grace of God and the provisions of the finished work of Jesus can begin to go to work for me. That's called resting and doing, but doing and rest. So David here before the cross is praying to God in a, in a dimension with the anointing and God's communicating and they are the, 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 the mediators between God and men. And that's what I wanted to go to here. Mediation. What does mediation mean? Let me try and get there really quickly. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Are you being patient with me here? Give me a second. I'm getting there. A mediator stands between two people who are opposed to each other. It's very simple. Didn't have to. I didn't need to go and actually pull that out. <laughs> so there is a mediator of a, a one who is standing in the gap on the middle between two parties who are opposed to each other. This one wants to harm that one. And there is a guy in the middle saying, hold off. All right. So the prophets, the priests, and the kings were, were mediators. Moses was a prophet. By the way, did, well, not that I want to get there, but just how many of you know what office Abraham stood in? Uh, he was a prophet. Abraham was a prophet. God calls him, don't touch my prophet. God actually declares him as a prophet. Anyway, so... Let's go right back. So Moses is a mediator. He is the guy communicating the heart and intentions of God for the children of Israel on what needs to take place and all the details, the policies, the procedures, everything. God's going up and He's getting the Word of the Lord and He's coming down and He's sharing it with the children of Israel. Thank God somebody here, I've seen so much mess in the body of Christ in, and I'm gonna go ahead and say it because I'm just gonna say it anyway. And so here it is in and and, and there's so much of this issue that we treat prophets nowadays like they're still living in the old covenant and those prophets are walking like they are in the old covenant and then they become spiritual gurus to everybody else and you can't hear a word of the Lord until you go to them. We have all become prophets, priests and kings unto the Lord. Every one of us. We don't, we don't subscribe to that nonsense. We pay me for a word and, and uh, well, I've got to be around my prophet, my prophet this, my prophet that. I'm sorry, you are in the wrong covenant somewhere and get your doctrine straight. And the ones that know that they are doing that are fully are fully aware and fully conscious that they are doing it and they are manipulators and controllers of people. All right, moving right along. <laughs> no, no, because people swarm to it. No, and, and what's, what's funny is you see them on social media just flocking to it. 
I've got news for you. You, you, you don't hold my, you are not holding my destiny ransom. My destiny is not locked up in your word for me. I can hear from God. God can, has spoken. Do we have the ability of confirmation before men that we don't go off the, some wild tangent somewhere? We have accountability. I'm not taking away from accountability, but don't make it and build your ministry like you're the only thing that possesses somebody else's destiny on the inside of you. And, and, and unless they submit to you, they can undo. Come on, that's witchcraft, spiritual witchcraft. Run for the hills, forest. All right. So Moses and David, David's praying, create within me a clean heart. Do you understand? Moses was not, I mean, David was not, David says, create within me a clean heart. Moses, I mean, David's not sitting on this side of the cross where you and I are all seated having to pray that prayer. Because when Jesus came to save you, He took out the heart of stone and He put in a heart of flesh. He has already created within you perfect righteousness. You don't exist. Now you have your flesh to deal with, yeah. But your spirit is perfect. David was not standing before God as a brand new creation at the time that he was communicating with him like you and I are. Jesus still hadn't come. Moses in the book of Exodus, chapter 32, let's go there if you can. Moses in the the book of Exodus, chapter 32. uh, Let's see here, where do I even start from verse Eight. Uh, this is now Moses contending before God. For, in, in, now he is being a mediator. Moses is mediating, and I don't want to take much time here this morning. Is this okay? All right, Lord have mercy. It's 12.30. I'll have to continue on this next week. Let me just do this last part. This is Moses now. They have quickly turned aside from the way, this is God speaking to Moses. They have quickly turned aside from the way I commanded them. They have made for themselves a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed it to it and said, this is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people and behold, they are obstinate people. Now then let me alone that my anger might burn against them and that I may destroy them and I will make of you a great nation. Then Moses entreated the Lord. In other words, now Moses is now beginning his negotiation process with God. God Moses is negotiating with God. He's acting as a mediator. Why? Because he could. The one man had not yet come. Moses entreated the Lord and said, O Lord, why does your anger burn against your people uh, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why, Why should the Egyptians speak saying with evil intent, he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to destroy them from the face of the earth? Turn your burning anger and change your mind about doing harm to your people. God, change your mind. In fact, the King James Version says, repent. 
Moses tells God to, look in the King James Version, right there. Moses tells God to repent. <laughs> are you hearing what the words that are coming out of my mouth? He was very brave. Now, of course, we understand the context of Moses telling God to repent. Moses was telling God, just like there it says, he's contending with God to change his mind. Listen, don't you understand? You've gone through all of this deal to deliver this people. Now you're angry at them. All of these people are gonna see you wipe them out. You took them out of there for nothing. You should have just left, basically, just, you should have just left them alone. You're gonna bring them out. You're gonna kill them all. Could you just change your mind and just slow down? Oh, come on, somebody. That blows my little brain up. He is mediating between God and the children of Israel. In other words, He is a type of Christ. And I'm saying all of that the same way David said, create within me a clean heart. The same way that God, Moses told God to repent. On this side of the cross, you will be rebuked by God. I'm not saying He's gonna rebuke you because He's love, you know what I mean? I'm just saying he, you, you are barking up the wrong tree. Because like Moses, who was in full authority to do what he did, we are not in the same position that Moses was. We're in a much better position than Moses was. Because the one man, Jesus, mediated for all of humanity. Our job is not to be mediators. Our job is to enforce what Jesus has already richly provided in Himself to us. We're not trying to get something that hasn't been purchased already. The full, perfect, finished work of Jesus was more than sufficient for every one of you on this side of the cross to accomplish everything that Jesus would need for us to accomplish. And the way to doing it is not going before God and coming with this 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 mindset of having to beg Him. No, the, 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 the attitude of when we come before God that way is a prayer of unbelief. It is a prayer of ignorance. The prayer of faith is saying, I believe in the finished work of Jesus and everything that He has appropriated. I don't deserve any honour. I stand here by the grace of God. And because of that grace and because of this imputed righteousness, not because I deserve it, I don't, I don't deserve it. He's given it all to me. Uh, everything that I should have got, I didn't get and everything that I didn't, wasn't supposed to get, He gave me. And that doesn't cause you to stand in a posture of arrogance. It causes you to stand in a posture of humility to say, thank you, God. Now, when I go to pray, I don't pray as one who is ignorant and without faith. My faith is rooted in Him. Everything I need, He's given to me. So when I open my mouth, I know that everything I need is gonna come to pass. Oh, come on, somebody. 
the one message makes it all about you and the gospel makes it all about Him. That was a, a, a sneeze of agreement. You know? Religion has turned prayer into everything it shouldn't be. It's a pleasure, Brother Easy. Religion has turned prayer into something that it's not. I'm done, I'm, I'm done. I'm just kind of... So, so let me, I'm going to go ahead and just poke the bear a little bit here. Just one more poke. <laughs> Let's say you had eight children and your eighth one wasn't serving the Lord. Could you, can you go and repent for their sins so that they can be saved? So you can't repent for, so your child cannot receive salvation because of your prayer of repentance for them, right? So why are we repenting of all kinds of garbage that you have no authority to repent of? Jesus already mediated. He asked us to go and be the hands and feet of Jesus. He didn't ask us to harden our prayer closets, repenting for every, and, how, and let me just, this is, my, always, this is always what I like to ask, because we meet in large groups of companies and we get together and we repent. We go and we repent. Forgive us, Lord, for hurting the Red Indians. Did you hurt the Red Indians? Forgive us for hurting the Jews. Forgive us for hurting this one. Forgive us. No, no, no. Now listen to what I'm saying. Please, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be ridiculous here. I'm not trying to do all of that. You have no power and authority to repent for that. And if, if, if you were scripturally correct and you believe the Bible that you preach, if you were right, I'm saying you, the general you, then why are you still repenting for the same thing year after the year? Didn't the Bible say that when you repent that He takes everything and throws it in the sea of forgetfulness? So why are you going to God every year reminding Him about, about something you already repented of? I just wanna free you from that because that's religion. You are becoming a mediator positionally where you have no authority to be in that, in that standing. Jesus took that authority for you. He didn't ask you to become that authority for Him. He asked you to become the hands and feet of Jesus. Now, what we can do to go and show generations that have been wronged by others is to be the love of Jesus to them. I'm sorry for what they did to you, but I wanna tell you, I love you with the love of Jesus. I'm sorry for what they did to you. I don't agree with anything that they did, 
but I wanna be the hands and feet. I love you like my brother and my sister in the Lord. That is enforcing the finished work of Jesus into the earth. It gets real quiet on this because it's a very popular thing in the church. Preached by a lot of people. And I love them, but I'm telling you right now, I love them and they are sincere, but I'm gonna tell you they are sincerely wrong. And if you wanna go ahead and cross-examine me with a fine tooth comb this morning, then I just wanna go ahead and leave you with this thought. When we are preaching the gospel, the Bible says you shall know them by their fruit and for everything that we say, there is a fruit. And if you listen to what I'm saying, am I telling you something that puts all the emphasis on a man or am I telling you something that puts all the emphasis on Jesus and what He's already done? Can you answer that? The other one tells you it's about what you do and I'm telling you it's about what He's already done. So I have no problem being bold about this subject because mine puts all the emphasis on Jesus. That doesn't mean that we cannot pray, but the way to pray, the way that we engage God, that intercession, that standing, standing and praying, the intercession is actually now becoming an enforcer. Come on. Every, every tool, every weapon that you ever need has been given to you by Jesus Christ. Religion will have you in a prayer closet praying for hours and, end, and fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, dancing around the shower so you get so skinny you can dance around the shower to get wet. And I'm for prayer and I'm for fasting. But I am... Uh, fasting, fasting is not so that you can twist God's arm. His arm was already twisted in the body of Jesus. He gave His only begotten Son. You can't twist His arm. He loves you. You can't pray enough to make Him love you more. You do pray because He loves you so much. That's why you pray. We do everything that we do because of what He's done for us. So there's a better way to pray. And I'm trying to help you with a better way to pray. I'm not here, I'm not trying to stir up and, 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 and prod you like a, I'm just saying like, when well, that's a joke when I say I'm poking the bear on something because it's a religious devil in the church. And I don't care who they are, you can put the best of them in front of me and I will ask them the same thing. Oh, so you're telling me it's about what you have to do. It's not a slam. It's simply, can you, can you, can you think for yourself Can you allow the spirit of wisdom to work in you? The spirit of revelation? Right. 
God is preparing us for 2024 to be an army of enforcers. We are going to enforce the kingdom of God into Louisiana. We are going to be the enforcers of his kingdom. We, 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 there's things we don't have to go to the prayer closet about. There's things we can, we don't have to go to the prayer closet about what kingdom rule and reign and jurisdiction has. God's already given us permission. And so many people are hiding behind the veil of intercession religiously because the last thing they want to do is actually take responsibility for being the kingdom of God. And it's all a spiritual veil of beautiful spirituality and it looks great. But when will we become the hands and feet of Jesus? Because there's more power in being the hands and feet of Jesus. The demonstration and the breakthrough of prayer comes in the becoming of the hands and feet of Jesus. That's when you will observe the miracles. So next year, God says, intentionally go after the harvest. Intentionally be an evangelist. Intentionally go for the lost. In, with intention. In other words, in other words, write it down on paper and begin to go and possess the land. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse seventeen. I might be right off. It says, "Pray without ceasing." So our, our intercession and our enforcing, we pray at all times. But, uh, Smith Wigglesworth says, I never pray for more than 30 minutes, but I never go for more than 30 minutes without praying. Prayer is a dialogue. It's a communication where you're talking to Him and He's, your God talking to you is also your prayer time. You, 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 you know, imagine if you approach your wife every day. Oh, Father, I thank you that you would. And then you came with the exact same babbling. Jesus, when He taught on prayer, He taught what prayer wasn't. Read in Matthew, He talks about uh, what not to do first. Imagine going to your spouse every day and re- reciting the same prayer every single day to her. Vain babblings. Because prayer will become a very mechanical babbling if you do not understand what prayer is there for. Amen? When you, commu- when you talk to God, you are praying. When you say, oh Lord, I thank You for Your goodness, you're praying, you're communicating. And you're just sitting there going, and walk with a divine expectation that it's a dialogue. So when you talk to Him, expect Him to talk back to you. Expect, wait for, expect. Thank, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Communicate with them. Let them communicate back with you. And it's not always, hello, son, this is God. It's not always like that. Very seldomly is it that big, thundering, audible voice like that. It's being led by the Spirit. The still, small voice. Amen. Hallelujah. And let me just tell you, I want to help every one of you just so I can save you from another prayer of having to repent for everybody and their mother and all of their sins that they've ever committed so that God would relent on 
He already relented. Every, until, until Jesus returns, He's done everything that needs to be done so that we can go and be uh, 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 the hands and feet of Jesus to a lost and dying world. And let me just help you because if you wanna subscribe to the other doctrine of repenting for everybody else, it's already been repented of 101 times. So I want you now to take your doctrine and attach your own faith to it that if He said that He took the transgression and put it in the sea of forgetfulness that He's already done it. So now you need to have faith if that's your doctrine that God's already forgiven because we've already repented of it all. So I'm helping you out now. If you wanna keep that doctrine, then quit praying that because you are praying in unbelief because you're doing it all the time. Did He not hear you the first time? then you have no faith in the doctrine that you actually even preach. You have, you're full of unbelief for praying the same thing year in and year out. And we gather by the, by the thousands to repent of something we repented of every year for the last 20 years. So did God forgive them on year one? All right, God bless you. My name is Pastor Mark and I agree with this message. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you and thank you for coming to church today. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. And pray without ceasing. Amen. Oh, thank you, Noel. Uh, so for those of you that wanna give, make sure you're writing out your checks at DRM or Destiny Revival Ministries. There's an offering basket to my right, your left. There's envelopes there, just pop them in the basket. If you're watching by way of live stream, then we wanna welcome you to go to www.destinyrevivalministries.com. Click on the Give Today or Your Support button. You will be able to give safely and securely. And then lastly, if you wanna give by text, Text the word GIVE to 3374343777 where you can give safely and securely. God bless you. Thank you for coming to church. Jesus is Lord. Amen. God bless you, everybody. Oh, uh, one more thing. Let's go ahead and have the last slide up if we can. We wanna make sure that we don't forget to do this. So after every single service on Sundays, we wanna make sure that if anybody is in need of prayer, that we will have come up to the front. We will have ministry time here. If there's anything you need us to pray for and you have a family member that you need to repent of their sins for, we will pray with you. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm joking. But if there's anything we want us to stand in agreement or pray with you for, we will gladly do that. We have a ministry team here, including myself, to pray for you right after service. So this is gonna be every Sunday. <laughs>